Welcome to the Better Together Podcast. Here, you'll find inspiring and enlightening podcasts brought to you by our MDS ARG pods. ARGs, associate resource groups, strive to explore, highlight, and share the wide breadth of experience of our BD colleagues, their families, and their communities. Today's episode is brought to you by the Limitless ARG and focuses on understanding, navigating, and advocating for those individuals with learning disabilities. BD's very own Samantha Vitone knows the topic very well and shares her powerful story with us today. Here with Sam is Blake Shaver. Hello and welcome to the Better Together podcast. My name is Blake Shaver and I'm excited to be joined today by Samantha Vitone. This podcast is brought to you by the Limitless MDS pod and as one of the co-leads of the Limitless ARG, I'm excited to have the opportunity to host my first Better Together podcast. Before we get started, I'd be remiss if I didn't encourage the listeners to learn more about the Limitless ARG by hitting up our Maxwell page. You can find out all kinds of great information on there about the things we're doing as well as how to join. And I know that's a shameless plug, but we certainly welcome everybody to come be a part of some really cool things we've got happening over there. We are recording this in April, which of course is Autism Awareness Month. The Limitless ARG has done quite a few events around autism awareness during this month, but this podcast today focuses on the challenges of those with other types of learning disabilities. I'd like to introduce you to Samantha Vitone. Samantha grew up in New Jersey with her parents and two siblings, a brother and a sister. She is now a legal specialist with BD and has been in the legal industry since 2017. Although her background may sound very standard and quote unquote normal, it is far from it. And Samantha has overcome a lot of adversity in her life. I'm excited for you to hear the rest of her story and the success she has realized through her perseverance. Welcome to the podcast, Samantha. I'm Hi, sure- thank you. Hey, I'm sure I missed plenty with that brief introduction. <laughs> Why don't you give us a further introduction of yourself? Fair, thank you. So my name is Samantha Vitone. I am 28 years old. I grew up and I currently still live in New Jersey. I am an Italian-American. I have two parents and I'm the elder of two siblings. I have a brother and sister. And currently I am working at the Franklin Links office at Beckton Dickinson and Company. And I'm a legal specialist for regulatory and litigation law, BD. My duties include power, uh, developing PowerPoint presentations, reviewing policies, doing research, and uh, observing guidelines and regulations. I've been in the legal industry since two, 2017. A few of my hobbies include kickboxing classes, spending time with family and friends, and I enjoy long walks. And I'm here to take today tell my story because I want to inspire others who have a disability to know to never give up on their dreams, regardless of what other people tell you. That's great. Uh, Really happy to have you here with us. Why don't you explain to us a little bit about your disability um, and and how you were originally diagnosed? Sure. So I was diagnosed early on in grade school. Uh, I have a learned disability. It's a specific learned disability named communication impairment, which means I have difficulty processing and obtaining information. I also have a very low IQ in math. I have had services done throughout my educational career, and I had an IEP, and IEP is an individualized education program. And the purpose of it is to support and have services to students who need those services done in school. I had speech therapy, classroom aids. I was allowed to have a calculator at any of my math classes. And at that time in 
elementary school, I was placed in small classes with kids who had similar disabilities. Back then, they never had inclusion, unfortunately. So it was special needs kids in their own classroom and quote, quote, normal kids were in the normal classrooms. And I remember going back in second grade, I was taken out of my small classroom and I was back into the normal classroom. And I remember I had such a breakdown. I was crying because I wasn't used to all those kids in one room. I was used to being in a small classroom with the same kids every day. But regardless of this, I always loved and I tried my hardest in school. I tried doing go far beyond with my school. And even today, I still try to work my hardest at work and even outside of work today. So just a turning point that happened to me was when I was a senior in high school, I was applying to colleges left and right. I was excited to start my educational career, but unfortunately I was told by teachers and staff alike that I wasn't gonna go far in college or I wasn't even gonna be uh, accepted into college. And I was devastated. I was thinking, you know, maybe they are right. Maybe they know what's best for me. I shouldn't even try to go to college. I shouldn't even, you know, follow my dreams, but I wanted to prove them wrong. And I graduated from Salisbury University. A fun fact, that's where Tom Poland graduated from. And after college, I worked at a law firm as a project assistant. And while I was at my job, I went back to school part-time to get my ABA approved paralegal certificate that took a year with a 3.5 GPA. And I am so grateful being at BD today. It's actually the craziest thing ever to think that I'm working at one of the largest medical device companies in the world. And just to show that I was determined to prove that I will graduate from college and I will thrive after college and do great. And from then, I just been trying to support the disability community, try to help others to know that they should follow their dreams and shouldn't hinder what other people tell them. Yes, exactly. But that, I appreciate you sharing all that. And I wanted to go back to your original diagnosis um, when you were younger and then you were in the um, that specific classroom that you talked about. Uh, my daughter uh, is also, she's on the autism spectrum and she's also with an IEP, which those IEPs are, are hugely helpful um, from an education standpoint. Uh, but she is in a specific class. Um, and, and what I noticed when I drop her off each day is that it is a wide variation of kids in those classes, right? You've got some what, and I know we shouldn't probably use these terms, but uh, just for ease of the podcast, we've got some higher functioning kids and maybe right. some functioning kids. Um, and it's a wide range. And so those teachers that are in those classes are trying to educate those kids that are on widely different levels, certainly different than the other um, you know, general population classroom. So what did that feel like being in there? What was your experience? I know you said you um, eventually went back to that general population classroom and it was challenging because it was so big. So explain to us a little bit more what that felt like, um, how the kids, the other kids maybe treated you that were in those general population classes. Once you were diagnosed, did you feel different? Was it a different experience? A little bit more on that. Sure, so in elementary school, I was placed with the same kids every single day, same teacher, every single day, same faces. So it was comfortable for me. 
I I was fine with it, but then they started slowly taking me out of those small classes into bigger classes. And to be honest, I was uncomfortable. It was hard for me. I was a shy kid, I think, because of that. I, I didn't know how to get out of my comfort zone just to be with different faces in a bigger classroom, and it was hard for me. But they teachers were taking me out of specific classes, such as art class, music class, just for me to be back into that small little class again. And I remember in middle school, they were still doing that with me slowly. They would take me out of gym class. And I remember this one girl went up to me and said, why are you leaving gym class every Tuesday and Thursday? And I didn't know how to respond to her. It was hard for me. I was embarrassed. And I didn't know what I had back then. I knew I was back with the same kids and the same teacher again doing math. And I think I didn't give her an answer and I was embarrassed and I don't want any kid to feel that way to be embarrassed to be questioned by other students of where you're going. And I, you know, I accepted it and I, looking back, I wish I did stand up and say, you know, I do go to these classes because of my disability and I'm proud of it and that's okay and I need that help. I'm not ashamed and when high school came along, I went to a lot of uh, extra help in math. So I went during my lunch class or when I was in the library, I left to go to my math. And I told my friends, hey, I have issues with math. I have a very low Q math. I need extra time. I need extra help after school. And they're like, go for it, Sam. You know, you need it. You knew what's best for you. So I feel like as time went on, I was open about it. I was willing to tell my friends. And now today, I'm still trying to explain to people and tell people what my disability is. And it's okay. It's okay to have a disability and to embrace it and just get as much help as you can today. And I am a huge advocate for that. Even working in the workday, again, I have issues processing information. So if my boss tells me instructions and I didn't get all the information, I say, hey, can you please go back what you said? I need to take my my notes again. And please keep talk slower for me just because it will benefit me. It will benefit the company. It will benefit everyone just to ask for help. And that's okay. Yeah, that's fantastic that you've gotten to that level where, you know, you, you've accepted, um, you know, what, what the adversity that you have to a point where you can share it with others. I mean, I think that's critically important, but you didn't get there overnight. You told the story about, you know, leaving gym class. So you must have had teachers, and I bet your parents probably helped you along the way. I'm curious if there are specific individuals that, you know, were extremely or overly supportive, obviously a lot of kindness uh, from them to help get you to the point where you were. So certainly want to acknowledge some of those folks and hear what they did to help you along your journey. Yeah, absolutely. I think having supportive parents was number one for me. They always communicate with staff and teachers. And always up to date with my accommodations to know, hey, does Samantha need this? Does Samantha need that in her classes or in her testing? And my parents always attending school meetings. And I think having support parents with a disability child is, is great because, unfortunately, there are parents that are in denial about their kid. And it's so hard to see that because your parents are your advocate. And um, I'm so grateful to have that. And um, in high school, you know, I did have teachers, uh, especially aides, that saw how hardworking I was and how much I took the time out just to get the extra help. And um, it's important to people to have your back to see how hard you're working because you're your only person. And sometimes it's good to hear, hey, Samantha, you could do this instead of getting that negative 
um, outcome that I've received in my meeting. And again, it's it's good to have support. It's good to ask for help because it, it reminds you, hey, you can do it. Even today, I, I think, you know, why am I at this job? Why am I not good enough? But then I look back and look at how hard I've worked and how much I put time in and it shows it matters. It matters a lot and any kid should know to put as much, as much work they should put in to to know that it's going to end up, you're going to end up somewhere and you're going to be okay. So again, having support parents, even aides, some teachers that see how hard working, they know you're going to go somewhere. Yeah, that's it's amazing. And I agree with you. You know, we, we get exposed to some of that through our daughter's classes, you know, the supportive parents, that support system. I mean, her teachers have been very fortunate, have always been fantastic for her. Um, but but having that support system is it, it's uh, it, it's crucial. And, and I'm glad that you had that. And I think that truly gave you the opportunity to progress the way that you have to have those people fighting for you when you were younger and you couldn't necessarily fight for yourself. But then you got to high school and you could fight for yourself and you could speak up and you could you were proud of of what you were going through and the adversity that you had overcome. So, you know, walk us through once you you were going through high school and you were getting to that point where you were applying to colleges, you know, where people, did you have um, a support system that was propelling you in that direction, direction that was giving you the resources you needed to apply to college, or did you have more detractors at that point? So it was a mix of both. Uh, when I was in high school, teachers did help with my resume. They did help with my letter when applying to college. And actually, I know back then you had to take SAT and ACTs to help you get into college. And actually, I never took the SAT. I actually took the ACT a few times because, again, how my brain works, I don't do well with random information like I need to know what's going to be on that test and that's what I do really well as I know what to study for I know what that's going to be on the test unfortunately with the SAT it's mostly all of it is random questions so I knew myself I didn't want to pay for a tutor I knew it, it was a waste of time for me so I I knew that the SAT was a little bit better for me so I took it a few times I actually did really well with the ACT and apply to colleges. And again, my parents did help me out with applying to colleges and what colleges work best for me. I knew that a big college was not gonna do well for me. I don't think I was gonna be able to focus. I was gonna be too distracted. So I decided to go to a medium-sized school. That was four and a half hours away. So I, I want to be dependent. I, I chose to go to a four and a half hour school. It was hard for my parents to hear that like wow, so maybe this can be four and a half hours away. It's you know, it's it's a drive. It's not around the corner. So I decided to do that, and it was again best decision because I learned how to grow up. I learned how to be more responsible. I learned how to be independent, and I knew that worked for me. And in college, actually, I still had my IEP. And when I was in college, I was allowed to take tests in a private room. I was allowed to have a calculator and have extended time and that helped me so much it helped me it took a weight off my shoulder and because of my accommodations i took advantage of that at first i was embarrassed i i, I didn't want to tell teachers I, I didn't want to use it i was like oh, i'll be fine without it but again why not take advantage of that take advantage of what you have in front of you so again i i had accommodations throughout college 
That's great. And so you ended up going to Salisbury, which apparently is a feeder system for BD, right? With Tom yes. coming, <laughs> maybe a feeder system to the BD CEO spot. I don't know. Um, but uh, so what was that experience like as far as, you know, when did the kids then react differently to you, even though you were still in the IEP? Um, you know, the, obviously in college, it's very different than a high school setting. You've got people that want to voluntarily be there um, and, and go there for a reason. Did you did your experience? Was it different, I guess, than it was in high school? So I felt students were concerned. They're like, Sam, were you sick? <laughs> did you go somewhere? Did you have an emergency? So it was more of, I think students were being nice about it. Just my, for my well-being to concern how I was doing. And I wasn't embarrassed. I told them, hey, listen, I have a learned disability. I get a, a, a private room to take my test. I get extended time. And they're like, oh, it's great. Good for you taking. So I think it was definitely different. I think, I guess now, especially this generation, I feel now, people have a better understanding with the disability community and special needs and being accepted. I think there's more acceptance now than back then when I was a kid. When I was a kid, there wasn't that many kids that have a disability. Even my mom says that there wasn't, there wasn't many of you, you know, and I think that's why the inclusion aspect wasn't back then because they probably thought, okay, being in a small class, it's good for them. In reality, you need inclusion. So, Going back to college, I just think everyone is more open and willing to help you, especially people with disabilities. And when I was in college, I was a part of several clubs, and one of them was Best Buddies. And Best Buddies is where you partner up with someone that has one or more disability, and you hang out with them. And it's one of the greatest organizations I've ever been with. I learned a lot. I was with a 40-year-old woman, had more than one disability, and we spent time together every day. And we talked on the phone and it was, it was a great experience. And I think clubs and schools are now being involved with helping people in the disability community, especially at BD, how BD has so many organizations with different groups of people. Yeah, that, that's great. And I want to go back to what you said about your mom saying it's a small group of people like you, right? Um, okay. We know that 70% of disabilities are either undiagnosed or unadmitted, right? Uh, right. So they're hidden, essentially. Um, you know, looking back on it, you know, I, with the support system you had, I would imagine you've probably got a very unique perspective on this, on kids that go through certain things that they don't have that support system. They're not willing to admit that they're struggling to learn. They're not willing to admit that they feel differently um, just because of the stigma that's associated with it, you know, speak to us a little bit about that, you know, what you think some kids might be going through that, you know, if if you wouldn't have had that support system from your parents or from your teachers, you know, and you weren't willing to raise your hand and say, you know, I'm just not learning like the others, you know, what that experience may have been completely different, right? Right. I I want them to know that you're not alone. And it's okay if you have something. It's okay. And there's people that are going to help you out in some way. Um, and again, you're not alone. And just try your hardest and don't listen to what other people think what you're capable of. You know yourself best. And I I always remind myself that you know your, your best self. And yes, you have doctors. Yes, you have teachers. There's a million tests you could take that could define who you are. And that's not the case. I mean, again, I took a bunch of tests for my learned disability, and they were so amazed of how well I was doing at school and work 
but what wasn't matching up to the test I was taking. And that's why it was such a unique uh, case with my learned disability because it wasn't adding up. And again, I, I learned you have to stick up for yourself. You're a hugest advocate. And, you know, as I was getting older, I, I realized that, yes, people can help you out, but you got to help yourself out. Again, you got to be the one applying for jobs. You have to try to put yourself out there. And it may be hard. It may be hard at first. And I'm still trying to get out of my comfort zone. And even me talking about my disability, I still have to get out of my comfort zone. But at the end of the day, I know I want to help people out. I want them to know that you're not alone. And I, I hope that's the case. And I hope the disability community keeps growing bigger and more support and more services that accommodates everyone. Yeah. And, you know, I think that your story is so great because people will hear that and hear what you're saying and, and maybe realize, OK, I do need a little bit of help. And then, you know, through your progression, because you did get that help, you were able to graduate with a 3.5 GPA. Right. And you got your. Now, explain to me what this means. You, you received an ABA approved paralegal. <laughs> so help help our audience understand what that means. Yes. So there's schools that do have a paralegal program. So ABA approved means the American Bar Association, and not all paralegal schools have that. It means that pretty much it's it's better. It, it makes you, it's a prominent certificate to get because you can get a paralegal certificate online easily. And it's not as recognizable as having an ABA approved paralegal certificate. That makes sense. More sense because originally when I saw ABA, I was thinking autism and... Uh, <laughs> behavior analysis. So American Bar Association makes a lot more sense to me now that you've explained it. So thank you. Um, so then tell us how you leverage that into your career. Where did you go from there? Certainly you were interviewing, you got a job. Where, where was your first job? Was it with BD? Walk us through your, your career. Yes. So after I graduated college, I had a sociolo sociology major. And to be honest, I had no idea what to do with it. So I used to babysit a lot in the summertime. And one of the moms, uh, I used to watch her kids and said, hey, my law firm's hiring a project assistant, someone that graduated college, someone that's tech savvy. Are you interested? I said, yeah, I would love to. I was working at the law firm as a project assistant. Again, it was kind of like a floater, as I used to call them. So someone that did different projects, different assignments. So I learned a lot about how a law firm works and just a law industry in general. And I remember seeing paralegals at the law firm and I was like huh that's interesting I kind of want to be a paralegal I like what they're doing I want to I want to learn more so I asked questions talked to the paralegals and I decided to go back to paralegal school I was a little nervous going back to school again but I I, I worked really hard again and I got my ABA approved paralegal certificate and then I got a job in New York City as a paralegal, but unfortunately COVID hit, I got laid off, had a little break, and then I got a job for a small trust in the state's law firm as a paralegal and an administrative assistant. And I was working there for a year and I used to be part, I used to be board of the New Jersey Paralegal Association. And I'm still a member now, but one of the members reached out to me saying, hey, Samantha, my job is hiring for a legal specialist. I think you'll be great at it. 
it's a paralegal position. I think it's up your alley. And to be honest, I didn't think I was going to get the job. I had no regulatory law background. I had a little bit of litigation background. And I was telling her, no, I don't think I'm going to get a job. She's like, Sam, just please. And again, I have to look back and say, Sam, you can kill it. You're going to do it. I applied. I interviewed with several people. And I got the job. And I again, I can't believe where I am today. And I'm again, I'm so grateful for being at BD. That's amazing. Uh, so you've been with BD for how long? When did you get hired at BD? So it'll be a year and a half. It'll be almost two years in August. Very good. Um, and, and tell us a little bit about what your experience has been like here at BD as far as your coworkers, um, you know, what you do on a daily basis and, and uh, your interactions. Yeah, I love BD. I never worked at such a big company like this. I always worked at law firms, so it's a different style. But everyone is so nice, so welcoming. I have the best manager ever. And I, I couldn't ask for more, honestly. Everyone is willing to help. And again, I love how BD has so many clubs that people could participate and learn from it. And I I want to keep learning at BD. I want to keep growing at BD. And I don't know what my next steps are. I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning. Well, I, I think people will learn from you. And I know uh, from talking to you previously, a big part of what you do is paying it forward and and helping others that may be in a position like you were back in your your um, early school days and trying to navigate through this process. So tell us, you know, you're, you're certainly a big part of what we do at Limitless, but tell us a little bit more about what you're doing, whether it be at BD, outside in the community, to maybe be more of a support system um, for those that might not have the, the parents that you had when you were coming up and um, you know anything that you're doing along those lines. Yeah, so again, at BD, I am part of several clubs, Limitless, Toastmaster, and I attend a bunch of BD events. And actually, I spoke at a BD event recently at the International Women's Day as a panelist about my learned disability. And I think, again, another great way for me to spread disability acceptance. And inside of B, outside of BD, I volunteer and I donate to nonprofits. Again, I used to be in Best Buddies. I'm trying to get back into that organization. I, uh, I'm i trying to attend seminars, ask questions. I'm always trying to be up to date with the law industry and with the disability community. And I want to keep growing. I want to keep learning and see what else I could do to help support people with disabilities inside and outside of BD. Right. Well, we certainly love having you as a part of Limitless, and I'm sure it's an interesting perspective for you being kind of on both sides of it, right? You know, uh, receiving some of that support and now giving back so much of that support now that you're in a position to do so. Um, so we love the fact that you're here at BD, but we want to hear about what you do outside of BD. What's your life like now? <laughs> you know, what, what are you, your interests, your hobbies? Uh, I know you mentioned kickboxing and some of those things, but what, what else do you have going on in your life right now? Uh, I'm actually getting married in October, so that's a that's a big milestone coming up. I'm very excited for that. A lot of planning, but it's gonna come up very quickly. I'm very excited for that. I uh, I have a brother that's a professional boxer, and my family and I we support him greatly. His name is Nikki the Bull, and I very close to my sister. We're best friends. We talk every single day, and I see my parents every Sunday. We do Sunday pasta dinner <laughs> as your typical Italian. And 
you know, I, I'm your typical 28-year-old, you know, I, I do whatever we want to do, be spend time with friends, family, go on the beach, go on little walks, do a, tra- a trail walk, spend time with friends and family, and just, you know, I'm your typical 28-year-old, even though I have a learned disability, I'm the same like everyone else. That's amazing, and I need to hear a little bit more about Nikki the Bull, like <laughs> If somebody picked on you, did Nikki the Bull intervene and get involved? <laughs> well, back then he was shy too, but now, yes, I think he would definitely have my back and everyone else's back. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, great, I'm grateful to have my brother that is actual a boxer. Yeah, that's amazing. How long have you been doing that? Thank you. Oh, geez. Since high school, senior of high school. And he kept, again, very determined. And Nick actually had a learned disability too himself. So again, he overcame a lot. He still is overcoming a lot today, and he is also inspiring those who want to be a boxer and fitness and health. So he he's doing a lot. He's he's trying trying to grow himself in the boxing industry. That's amazing. Well, we appreciate you sharing all this. Anything else you'd like for our audience to know about you or things happening in your life inside BD? Uh, anything? I'll just say just a few tips with overcoming struggles in the workplace with my experiences just and people with disabilities just take breaks breathe ask for help follow-ups and be organized that just help helps me out at work and i hope that can help you out too whatever kind of job you do have is take your time and it's gonna be okay just remind yourself everything's gonna be okay and just be patient with yourself well samantha this has been fantastic and uh, i can't thank you enough for taking your time and sharing your story. Uh, we certainly uh, welcome everybody listening to join Samantha and the rest of Limitless ARG uh, over. Again, you can uh, find us on the Maxwell page and, and, and join and see all the good things that we're doing over there um, and, and uh, come and join some of the really good work that we're doing um, and, and hearing more inspiring stories like Samantha's and help impact um, others um, through the ARG. So thanks again, Samantha, and I uh, hope that we can connect down the road uh, on another podcast and catch up uh, after your marriage. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. And thanks to Samantha for sharing her story with us. For more information on the Limitless ARG, feel free to reach out to Blake Shaver or Joe Balin directly. This podcast has been a production of BD. BD and the BD logo are trademarks of Becton Dickinson & Company or its affiliates. Copyright 2023 BD. All rights reserved.